The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Main Street Vegan. I am talking to you from my living room in New York City, and I have so many beautiful sparkling faces around me because this is a Main Street Vegan Academy Week. And that means that in my living room right now, there are, what, 18 people from all over America, North America, and the world. We have a student here from Paris, France. Now, you know, if I lived in Paris... I don't think I'd leave for anything except maybe Main Street Vegan Academy. So from Paris, from Ottawa, from Pennsylvania and D.C. and Boston and Florida and all over everywhere, welcome Main Street Vegan Academy people. And to all of you listening, all the places you're listening, welcome to you. And if you happen to be listening live today and you'd like to join the conversation or chat with our guest who will be coming on after the first break, that's Kathy Stevens of the Catskill Animal Sanctuary, give us a call, 888 558 Six four eight nine. Tell us what you're thinking or what you'd like to know. Now, I do have a lovely co-host on the show today, one of the Main Street Vegan Academy students, and that is Kristen. How do you say your last name? Fierstein. Fierstein yes. from Issaquah. From Issaquah, Washington. Issaquah, Just right Washington. outside of Seattle, Washington. Oh, don't tell people that. It sounds so out there in the woods. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, it's not in the woods at all. Okay. It's the east side of Seattle. Okay. Well, you could get a lot of mileage from a place called Issaquah. So what brought you to New York City this week? Um, okay. Um, I'm here for the Vegan Main Street Academy. And what pushed me this way is I've been um, an active vegan and a vegetarian for nearly 30 years now, but I've been kind of silent. I just listen to people. And just recently, I've decided to become more of an activist and in more ways than one um, to bring people's awareness to the animal's plight, as well as how they can improve their health and their overall well-being by doing this. So I came here so that I'm armed with a full base of knowledge and go out there confidently and help people's lives and help animals too. So. Well, we want to send you back to Issaquah with all that knowledge. And you know, when you said that you've been vegetarian and vegan now 30 years, and I'm looking at you and it's like, okay, so you were in preschool and decided you didn't want to eat meat anymore. 
you look fabulous. You're funny. Thank you. No, it's <laughs> just, it's, it is absolutely the yeah. way it is. Nobody does, oh, some people probably do this. I started to yeah. say nobody does this for their own ego. Nobody says, no. oh, I'm going to be a vegan so I can look really good. I guess some people do. But you know what? Everybody who does this for other reasons, particularly to save the animals, just gets, like you said before the show, incredible karma. Yeah, it's just a bonus, I find. Um, I don't do it for how nice that it's great for my health and everything. I would do it anyway. I'd have to find a way. I'd have to supplement. It's for the animals, but you do end up with clearer skin. And I think I've aged a lot less than a lot of my friends. I have a 20-year-old daughter, and she's a personal fitness trainer, and we work out together a lot. And um, a lot of people think we're sisters, which she's not sure how to take. (laughs) But, I mean, she's... She's the one responsible for why I'm in such good physical shape as far as the weight training and stuff goes. But, um, yeah, as far as it, it is highly beneficial. It, it is yeah, highly really beneficial. It just feels really good. In, in every kind of in way. In every other kind of way. Well, I just want to share with the people listening some of the fun things that we're going to do this week. Now, this is your first time in New York City, right? Yes, it is. So you came just for the Academy. You're going to leave right after graduation, That's luncheon right. on Sunday. So you won't have a lot of time for things like Top of the Rock and a Broadway show and the Statue of Liberty. But the sites that you are going to see in New York City are going to be pretty darn cool. Because tomorrow we're going to do our field tripping and we're going to start out at Sustainable NYC, which is an eco store. They also have a cafe. We'll have a little breakfast and then we'll go to High Vibe where they're going to tell us why we should be eating a lot of raw food. And they're going to give us raw goodies, which is very fun. We're going to go to an Indian spice market and learn all about the wonderful antioxidant qualities of cloves and turmeric and amla then we'll have lunch at a restaurant with the best name anywhere it's called caravan of dreams ah wouldn't you like to just go on a caravan of dreams and then you'll be going to book couture and and getting your winter coat and then moose shoes and buying a whole lot of shoes and bags and belts and wallets and then you can go to baby cakes and get a lovely hypoallergenic, vegan, yummy muffin, scone, banana bread, or even a donut. We don't <laughs> eat a lot of those, but you know, into each life, some donuts must fall. Yes, absolutely. I got to tell you, when I was when I told people I was coming to New York, they all were like, oh, you got to go to a show. You got to go to the Empire State Building. Da, 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 da. And I was like, oh, no, no, I'm seeing everything I want to see in New York. When I saw the list of baby cakes and mooshoes and that, it was like, I'm going on a vegan trip. <laughs> you know, there really it is, is such a thing these days as a vegan trip. It, it's very, very exciting. And we kind of have businesses and, and we have a, a culture Growing up around this, a lot of wonderful companies have have donated food for us to try this week. Now, what we're really about and what we want to teach people to do is eat a whole foods plant-based diet. That's food that grows up out of the ground. But we have been enjoying some food that has been made from what goes up out of the ground that is quite heavenly. Are you liking the cheese? Oh, I'm loving the cheese and I'm loving the ice cream. Mm -hmm. We've had amazing tree line cheese. You can find them on Twitter at Real Vegan Cheese. We've had um, DF Mavens ice cream. That's DF for dairy free, dairy free Mavens. Uh, Gardein provided us with some. Oh, Jeff, our engineer who likes real American food. Jeff, you would have loved these. These were sliders. They had beef-like sliders and chicken-like sliders that came with the little buns. It was just like (laughs) being in America. Very, very cool. And then we've also got, uh, for you guys to take away, some wonderful muesli and granola from um, Plant Power Plant. Uh, lovely, lovely young men just starting this tiny little business on their own. And on Saturday, all the Academy students are going to the vegan mainstream vegan business boot camp. 
Now, sometimes people confuse Main Street vegan with vegan mainstream. Well, that's just because there's so much vegan stuff going on. You know, <laughs> two of us have M-A-I-N in our names. But Stephanie Red Cross is the founder of, of Vegan Mainstream. They do so much for vegan business people and entrepreneurs. And it just worked out that you guys are in town this week and she's doing the, the business boot camp. So by the time you leave here, you will have just had the full New York vegan experience and you can come back for the tourist experience. Absolutely. But yeah. I'll be leaving here fully inspired. Exactly. And, ready to and roll. you'll you'll know how to get around on the subway so you can bring your honey back and just be the <laughs> tour guide. That would be fun. Well, we are going to pause now for some announcements. And when we come back, we're going to be speaking with someone who doesn't just care about animals, like animals, help animals. We're going to be with somebody who knows animals and has devoted her life to them. This is inspiring, and oh my gosh, can this woman tell stories. Stay with us. Unity Online Radio is affiliated with Unity, a nonprofit organization specializing in prayer, publishing, and spiritual education. If you enjoy our programming and would like to support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now to make a contribution. You can make a one-time or recurring monthly donation. Thank you. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com. Amazon.com or your favorite bookseller. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks to you for being with us today, and thanks to Unity Online Radio for hosting this show. I am such a fan of, of Unity, the Unity Movement, and all that they stand for. And they've really... I think, gone out on a very brave limb to say, yeah, this is another way to express our divine spirit on earth by living a vegan lifestyle. It's certainly not something that everybody is expected to do, but when this speaks to your heart, let it speak to your heart, and I'm so happy to have this platform. I'm also really, really happy to be here today with my co-host, Kristen Fierstein, who's in from New- from uh, Washington State, and also to welcome our guest, Kathy Stevens. Kathy is the founder and director of Catskill Animal Sanctuary in Saugerties, New York. That was founded way back in 2001. Since then, Catskill Animal Sanctuary has saved the lives of over 3,000 animals through direct rescue and exponentially more through innovative vegan programming. 
Kathy blogs for the Huffington Post. She's the author of Where the Blind Horse Sings and Animal Camp, which is out now in a brand new edition with lots of wonderful new stories. You can find Catskill Animal Sanctuary at casanctuary.org. They're on Twitter, CA Sanctuary, uh, and on Facebook, Catskill Animal Sanctuary. And after you listen to Kathy, you're going to want to find them everywhere. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Victoria. Hi, ladies. Hi, Kristen. Hi. So happy <gasps> to be here. Well, we're so happy to have you. Kristen has so many questions for you. Let's let her jump in first. Oh, okay. right off the bat. Okay. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. Okay. Um, I would like to know what was the moment that actually raised your awareness to the point that what made you want to rescue farm animals? I had grown up on a farm, and even though it was a horse farm, technically it was a thoroughbred breeding and training farm, we always had lots of other animals. So I feel like I was surrounded by animals almost from the time I came out of the womb, and I just have always had a real reverence for them. Um, But I was, I moved to, I was from the South, I moved to Boston to go to graduate school and became a teacher, and it was only when I um, was offered the principalship of a new high school and found myself, much to my alarm, turning down the job, that I realized, oh, I'm sort of done with that path, and what I wanted was a way to combine the two things that I loved equally. I love teaching and learning, and I love animals. And so I looked for, I took lots of walks and did some soul searching. And and eventually, when I, this was in the earliest days of the web, when I Googled animal sanctuaries and found farm sanctuary, that's when I thought, Ah, I didn't know sanctuaries existed. So as soon as I found out that it was a concept, I thought, okay, let's do that and marry your love for these two things in one organization. Very good. Oh, is, isn't that so exciting? Yeah. So you've been telling us some wonderful stories. I know you just spoke to the, the class here about animal issues, and you talked about a particular sheep named Rambo. Tell us about Rambo. Well, as I just told this wonderful group gathered here in your house, including your doggy, uh, Rambo Rambo changed my life. Rambo came when we had just opened as our first cruelty case, part of a big group of animals, locked in a barn at the home of a hoarder. Um, one of the animals was had been decomposing for some months, and Rambo was a very, very angry and violent and unpredictable guy who would pin against the wall um, anybody who came near him. But over time, it actually took about a year for him for that, those, that tape that was in his head. People are bad. People are bad. People are bad. People can't be trusted. People hurt people, right? All that stuff to be erased. And he was free range, You couldn't put him in a stall. He was very claustrophobic. And he spent the 11 years that he was with us walking the entire property, telling us when things were wrong, coming to my house at night when the cows had gotten out or when something was amiss, screaming at me, screaming, running down the hill, screaming at me, when we let his friend, the pig, be adopted. He ran up the hill after the trailer, screaming, bah, bah, and then came down and looked right at me. Bah, like, why did you let me die? Why did you let them take Petunia? And so over his 11 years with us, there were, were hundreds of Rambo stories. And the one in particular I told here um, was of a night that, He told me that we had left two turkeys um, out in the open in a a storm and on a cold night. And um, just so people don't think I'm a little crazy, what he did, he didn't use words. I don't think that. Um, But I walked through the barn and 
he came up to me and looked at me and, and bleated and then led me down to the empty turkey stall to show me that, in fact, the turkeys weren't in there. So Rambo was um, a teacher, a friend, a healer. He welcomed new animals. He lay outside the stalls of sick and lonely animals. He took his job as the leader of the flock so seriously, and he, as a result, a lot of the reason we do the things the way we do them in terms of our interactions with animals is because of what we learn from this one magnificent beast. Wow. Rambo the guru. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like Lassie, too. Yeah. A little bit of Lassie. Yeah. So when you talked about um, that Rambo came from a hoarding situation. You shared a statistic with us that shocked me about places that call themselves sanctuaries, but they're really hoarding situations. I believe I read this on PETA's website. I, I think it was PETA that has a big section on animal hoarding, but it is truly epidemic in this country. I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with hoarders because they've experienced them firsthand. But yes, um, we've taken animals from 15 places that called themselves sanctuaries. Some of them were very well-meaning people who just ran out of funds or just run out of, ran out of steam. It's not work for the faint of heart. But I would say of those 15, probably half were not sanctuaries at all, but in fact were animal hoarding situations. So as I always say to people, A, it's super important to support sanctuaries. This is hard and costly work, but B, make sure you visit or check out to the extent that you're able the sanctuary that's going to be getting your, whether it's your resources, whether it's money or time, because it's easy to make yourself look good on a website as we have learned in dealing with these animal hoarders. So when you were talking about Rambo and and all of his wonderful gifts, you had alluded earlier to the fact that animals are just like us. Now, you know, a lot of humans would say, oh, whoa, they're not just like us. So what do you mean by that? Here, we have this phrase on the back of some shirts that says, in the ways that truly matter, we are all the same. Which is not to say that we are identical, we humans and we non-human animals, Um, But it is to say that just as differences among humans based on race or gender or sexual preference or religion or part of the world in which we live are superficial and that once you get underneath that, there are so many similarities. The same is true once you get underneath the surface of animals. They form friendships There isn't a single emotion that we possess that animals don't, not in my experience, and I'm among these animals every single day. Um, They seek joy. They retreat from pain and suffering. They are as individual. Ten animals are as individual as ten people. So that's what, those are the things I mean when I say we're the same in the the ways that count, in the ways that matter. Mm. Love that. You had a beautiful quotation from Sri Aurobindo. Do you have that memorized? I don't have it memorized, but okay. yeah. But he yeah. was basically saying the same thing, uh, a, a cat or a no, person. There's no difference between a cat and a man, he says. A cat and a man and a human. The difference that we ascribe has been a, been a difference that we use for our benefit. Mm. It's true. I was thinking as you were saying that, it's just that it's like they're from other countries or other nations. I think that's a, something that I've heard before. And that we just, just because we don't understand their particular language, that's part of why a lot of people think that they're not like us. Right. Just, right. just because we do not understand right. their language doesn't mean they don't have one. Right. Yeah. And, and it also doesn't mean that they can't. If they, just like that story I was just told about Rambo, if an animal knows that you are paying attention to him or to her? Well, good Lord, 
that animal's going to talk to you, and you know that from your companion animals. If you pay attention to a chicken, a chicken's going to know, and a chicken is going to have a lot to say. Oh, I can hardly wait to go to Catskill Animal Sanctuary and hang with some chickens. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have a deal. We we are. So on Saturday, October 5th, we are having our annual shindig. We we have it every year. It has typically been in June, but, you know, you struggle with the, thanks to global warming, with summers sometimes just getting unbearably hot. We decided to move it this this season to the fall and see if people, if that's easier all the way around. So Victoria is our special guest and we really can't wait to welcome her and, and, and learn from her and be inspired by her. Um, we have six or 700 people come every year where we may be expecting more, um, this year, we actually have a whole committee of people, one of whom is in the Vegan Academy this year, organizing and helping us with sponsors and um, all kinds of other planning around it. So it's going to be a bigger event with lots of vendors for the first time, in addition to food tours, animal talks, hay rides, a children's tent. It's just a very good day for seasoned vegans, for people who love animals but haven't yet begun that journey, uh, haven't yet connected the dots, um, and for people who just are looking for a day in the country. It's just it's a fun and heartwarming day. Mm. And October in the country is really fun. As we all know, I am not a country girl, but even I like to go in October. <laughs> So what kind of other questions are you having uh, for well, there were what, One important question I think to share with everybody is um, how can the average person, so you have your sanctuary that you can bring people to and they can actually meet the animals, and that's one way to open their eyes. But as far as those of us that are just out in the world, um, how can do you have any suggestions on how we can help open the eyes of people and make them aware that animals are beings in their own right, and maybe make them aware of how they could help stop being a part of the immense cruelty that's going on. And what I what I here's what I'm thinking: um, a lot of us get into this beating people over the head. My husband's not changing. Why won't my friend stop eating animals? Um, and we get so incredibly frustrated. Well, we are, I think when we are asking an extraordinary thing of a person, when we say, give up your familiarity, give up your company, give up your comfort, give up um, perhaps some of your social rituals, um, give up the ability initially just to throw a dinner together if you're a person who takes the frozen chicken patty out of the out of the freezer and nukes it in the microwave. We're asking people to change something that at least in this culture is profoundly important to us, the way we eat. So A, I believe we need to have a great deal of of patience and if somebody is has just expressed an interest whether it's let me read a book give me a movie take me to a vegan restaurant then that is cause for celebration none of us woke up vegan yesterday morning it was a process for all of us and i do not understand Vegans who, you know, now that we have struggled, if it was a struggle, and come to the other side and figured out, oh, this matters to me. Why too many of us, in my view, are not willing to give other people the time to struggle through it and to work through it. So one plea is just to be a little patient with people and allow them their process and be a cheerleader, right? I mean, one of the things I love about Main Street Vegan is that is the tone is exactly right, right? It's exactly right. It's not going to turn off a defensive meat eater. 
right? So I think um, always being in the role of the cheerleader is important. And I also think um, recognizing that not one size fits all works for anybody. You know, one size fits no one. Somebody's going to read a book. Somebody's going to see a film. Somebody just wants to know, like, help me cook. I get it. I get it. I don't know what to put on my plate. So some people only need the cooking piece. So just to be very conscious, I don't know if this is helping at all, that it's different for every single person who's going to, you're going to encounter. Oh, I completely agree with you. We were talking this morning about that in class, that if we look back at what we ate when we started, I mean, when I went vegan, it was so long ago, people actually ate differently. I mean, people did eat differently in the early 80s than they do now. And so the way that I ate then looked like that time, and the way that I eat now looks more like this time. But I can't just grab somebody off the street and say, come here, do what I do. See this kale? Run it through a juicer, then drink it. I, that is not going <laughs> to... Wait a second. Not a good strategy. <laughs> Same with nutritional yeast. You don't want to bring that. Oh, no. New, new. <laughs> no. Oh, see, and, and nutritional yeast, I think, I is so yummy. Right. Do you guys not like it? Oh, I love it. It just was, I an, love acquired, nutritional it was yeast. an acquired taste. It's an acquired taste. And we bring it out around people who oh, aren't vegan, right. and they see, you know, they smell it. They Their reaction is... Ah, because yes. <laughs> one of our speakers was talking about that, that the fifth taste, the umami, yes. that wonderful kind of taste that supposedly mother's milk tastes like it. And that's, I guess, why we like it. But some of the foods that have it are nutritional yeast, sun-dried tomatoes, wine, uh, the kinds of things that people do tend to just kind of gravitate to. It's a little bit cheesy, a little bit almost fermented-like. We yeah. had macaroni Ooh. and cheese last oh, night. It was amazing. Thank it was you. So good. Based on nutritional yeast yes. and and um, tahini, sesame. Um, yeah, actually, it wasn't tahini. It was just sesame seeds, nutritional yeast, and and some cashews, and really, really good. Yeah, that was delicious. That's umami. That was yeah. <laughs> but but I know what you mean by something just called yeast. There was an old Woody Allen movie where he went to L.A. to a health food restaurant back in the 60s or something. And he looked at the menu, looked very disconcerted and just said, I'll have the mashed yeast. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the offering. Stay with us through these breaks and be back for something much, much better than mashed yeast. Lots of fabulous information from Kathy Stevens and Kristen and me right here. Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Rev. Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. Balance, harmony, peace, these are the things that lead to a fuller, richer life experience. 
and striving to attain these things is a rewarding journey in and of itself. Let your journey begin at Awaken Whole Life Center, located on the Unity Village campus. Here, you'll discover unique approaches to nurture body, mind, and spirit. A holistic approach to your health and well-being. Visit us online at awakenwholelifecenter.com. That's awakenwholelifecenter.com. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening in. Thanks to our fabulous engineer, Jeff, out there at Unity Village, Missouri, keeping us on target. Our guest today is Kathy Stevens of Catskill Animal Sanctuary. You can find her at casanctuary.com. Org or on Twitter at CA Sanctuary. I hang out on Twitter too, Victoria underscore Moran. So come and follow and chase us around and also take a look for Kathy's books, Where the Blind Horse Sings and Animal Camp. These are wonderful, wonderful reads. You know, so many people say, Ooh, I don't want to read about all those terrible things that happen to animals. This woman is a writer's writer, and she tells these stories in such a way that they're literature as well as truth, and they're so heartwarming and so lovely. You will love these books. So do yourself a favor and pick up a copy of each one. So, Kathy, you are about to go into your second big old decade of being an animal sanctuary what are the challenges of that going forward in this big, bright century? Well, that's a very interesting question. Um, it, it, this, as I said once before, this work is not for the faint of heart. You know, I've not been a person who shied away from challenges in my life, but this, there's a relentlessness to this work, and that's in part because there is a certain unpredictability if you are truly a rescue organization, there's an unpredictability about your world. You don't know what the fo- next phone call is going to be. You know, it could be an abandoned horse. It could be 20 horses, you know, half dead at a hoarder's. It could be a thousand chickens who, you know, from a transport truck that's landed on its side. It could be, you know, any number of things. So there, what the challenge is as as one becomes, you know, Farm Sanctuary is sort of the, the mother of all sanctuaries. It was the first, and it's certainly the best known. They face tremendous pressure because everybody knows who they are, right? Everybody knows who they are, and everybody knows that they're a, a good sanctuary. Well, now that we've been around for 10 years, we used to just get calls from the little local SPCA or the local sheriff. And now we get calls from Pennsylvania and Alabama and Wisconsin and California and Texas. So the how do we, one huge challenge is what can we do to serve the, to do the greatest good for the greatest number? So one challenge is to keep the funding growing so that we can grow our physical space, not, not to become huge, but to become bigger, a little bit bigger, so that we can accommodate more animals, so that we can do more on that rescue side, that direct side. So that's the challenge in terms of the rescue piece of our mission. Um, we've got probably 500 animals on our waiting list, and that doesn't include the animals that could be on the voicemail tomorrow, you know, on the voicemail from the police or from the local SPCA because there's another hoarding situation. So that's the challenge on the rescue front. In terms of the educational part of the mission, it's not unlike what vegan lifestyle coaches face. And it's this question of how to, what we were talking about earlier, 
how do you look at a good human being, a loving, kind human being who works hard to have his life reflect his values, right? And help him realize that he is making an exception to that value, that deeply held value of kindness every time he eats a meal. And how you do it, again, is different from person to person. So we're always looking at our programming and and asking every single day, how do we tweak it? What's the new program? What's the new message? What's the new film? How do we speak? How do we make, do the greatest good for the greatest number? Have more people say, I get it. I think so many people in the world today, in in the vegan world and and in other sorts of social justice movements, are asking themselves that question every day. You know, it's almost a a morning prayer of, you know, take me, use me for for the greatest good. I was curious, though, how do you stay inspired and not get burnt out when you face, you know, every day there's a lot of no's, usually. you You know how? I go down to the barn and I've got a sheep in my face and I've got a horse like rubbing his head against my rear end. And I've got a cow going because he wants me to come say hello. And that is how I stay inspired. I can see that. They're counting on us. There aren't that many of us out there that are on the front lines. And they're just fun. Yeah. They're fun and they're in your face. And, they're, you know, we have so many. We have this phenomenon called the underfoot family where animals who need to be free range are free range. And just the delight is surrounds you. I couldn't do the other part. I couldn't. I couldn't. I have to have the joyful part in order to retain my joy. Can people come visit your? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, we're open Saturdays and Sundays. Did you mean that? Yes! <laughs> um, we're open Saturdays and Sundays, April through October. The first the tours are 90 minutes. The first tour starts at 11. The last tour starts at 2.30. Um, and expect to be delighted. And expect to kiss some pigs. Oh. Awesome. I love to kiss a pig. <laughs> now, you mentioned, Kathy, um, I think it was when you were speaking for, for the Academy, about one cow that came to your sanctuary from a petting zoo. So people who are in a part of the country where they really cannot get to a sanctuary or get their children to a sanctuary, what what is this thing about petting zoos? Where do those animals end up? And do you think that it's better for a child to go there and at least get to bond with animals at an early age or that they're just awful things that we shouldn't support no matter what? I think they're awful things. The question about whether to support them, if you are in an isolated part of the country and that is kids only exposure to an animal, to farm animals, and, and without it, they will have nothing. They will have no connection. That is complicated. Um, petting zoos tend to buy their animals at auction. They tend to feed them, have feed where you put a quarter in and you get the little pellets. And so the animals tend to be overweight. They tend to lack veterinary care. And then, of course, they always have babies because the public, the moms and dads, want to take their children to see the cute little babies. Well, then the the babies aren't going to be cute the next year. They're not going to be babies, A, and B, it's too costly if you're not a year-round operation to keep these animals over the winter. So they go off to slaughter. They go off to auction, but let's face it, that auction is a euphemism for slaughter. So I am not a fan of petting zoos at all, but I cannot say that if a petting zoo is your only option and you want your child to know a cow in the way that he knows his dog, that it's a horrifying thing to take your child to a petting zoo as long as you are explaining in an age-appropriate way that this is not a life 
that we should subject an animal to. So if you can do that teaching piece in, and it's in that rare situation, then maybe. But that's a really tough one, and that's actually a great question. Well, there is a list of sanctuaries in Main Street Vegans, and they're in virtually every state. Now, we're lucky in New York. We tend to have more <laughs> than a, a lot of states, but but they're cropping up. And like you say, you want to check them out and make sure that they're good, but there are ways to get to know these animals as beings. So, Kathy, within the world of, of animal protection, there seems to be this sh- this split and then there's the rights side, the animal rights people, and then there's the animal welfare people. Now, what I see is that it's always been there. And in the old days, the animal welfare people just cared about cats and dogs and served beef and chicken at their fundraisers. But now it's seeming like some of the people who have been called upon to represent the welfare position are vegans, they're people who want animal agriculture ultimately abolished, but they also are in favor of allowing for some changes to happen sooner to perhaps help a little bit some of the animals who are on factory farms today. And then other people just say, no, no, veganism is it. It's the only answer. And until we have universal veganism, don't make the cages any bigger because then fewer people will go vegan. It's quite a bafflement. Where do you come down on all this? Uh, Seeing the complexity of all of it. Um, Any social movement needs a variety of voices. You look at the women's movement, you look at the gay movement, you look at the civil rights movement, and you've got the strident voices, and you've got the one step at a time voice. I mean, you know, look at Martin Luther King as opposed to, and if you know anything about the civil rights movement, you look, you know, there's the students for the democratic society and there was the Southern Christian leadership conference. And then there was Martin Luther King and there was Malcolm X. And there were all these voices. And what might resonate for you might have not been what resonated for me. I do not understand. I think when you look at, I I think we are frustrated when we see vegans in big, powerful organizations um, advocating for the abolition of battery cages, for instance, one state at a time, or gestation crates one state at a time. Um, You know, I could talk all day about that, but I think this movement needs to have room for every approach. I don't get excited about abolishing gestation crates. I'm in a position, position of being able to have a purer message, but I think the reality is that we, this is a big, powerful industry with friends in Congress and friends in research universities and friends in government and friends in in lobbying groups. And perhaps the most we can do is to all be very clear about how we individually can do the greatest good for the greatest number and leave aside the anger at people whose approaches are different from ours. Yeah, it seems to me that if everybody just wanted to help (laughs) in whatever way, we don't have to agree about all the fine points and the details. So are you for then providing better welfare for the animals before everyone goes vegan? I mean, like right now? This is going to sound strange, but I almost have no opinion about it. I just, my focus is so on who these animals are, seeing them as individuals, helping people understand that and consequently, hopefully feeling almost obliged to leave animals out of their diets. Um, uh, yeah, what if, if, you know, when, when we abolish one state at a time, whether it's gestation crates or battery cages, I don't go, yippee, skippy, hoo-hoo, victory. I don't. So what does that mean? Maybe that means I think that I, I wish our efforts were better directed for, toward real change, but 
So someone called during uh, one of the breaks, and she said that her need was to just not be tired of her food, that she was a vegan in New York City, and it's a hot summer, and she lives in a fifth-floor walk-up, and she has to carry those groceries up to her apartment. So she wanted to know what all of us do to stay happy about what we're eating. Kristen, what do you do? Oh, that's easy. Um Yeah, just pick up some hummus and some lettuce leaves and go to the grocery store and get some yummy produce together. That's You don't have to have a big heavy load. So what do you do, Kathy? Are you excited about your food? I am so hungry at the end of the day. We have a big garden, and yes, I'm excited about my food, but um, my food is not... I don't eat much processed food at all. So my, you know, in season, my food comes right from the garden. And I think a vegan diet actually is, is a lot more varied. If you're using all the produce that's available to us, a lot more varied than chicken, fish, beef, pork. Um, and, and maybe she's not a cook, but it seems to me that if you, it's, it's interesting, like, Meat eaters, we might be encouraged to help meat eaters think that their food, their chicken, is really about the sauce. It's really about (laughs) what we put on it. It's really about the, the sauce, the bun, the onions, the spices. If you take, who eats a boiled chicken breast or a baked piece of steak? I think almost nobody. So when you take a whole world of vegetables and fruits and grains and you have all those sauces that you can put on meats and apply them over here, then you've got an infinitely more varied diet. Mm. I I completely agree. I just came back last week. I sound like I've been on vacation. Well, I sort of was on vacation. I took myself on writer's retreat to Chinatown right here on Manhattan Island. So it wasn't that I had to buy a plane ticket or anything, but I'd I'd been kind of writer's blocked. In fact, scratch the kind of. I had been (laughs) horribly writer's blocked and just decided, you know what, if I'm going to get this book proposal done for book number 12, I'm going to need to do something radical. So I went on Priceline and I found a good priced hotel in Chinatown, took my little dog Forbes with me, And, oh, my gosh, we had so much fun because Chinatown has the most interesting array of food. Golly, maybe anywhere except China. They have all these fruits that I recognize some of them. They have durians. Have you guys had durians? Yes. (gasps) Yes. It smells really strange, but it tastes like cheesecake, and it's a fruit. I mean, it's exceptional. And, And they had lychees and all these great things. So I got very excited about stuff that grows up out of the ground when I was down there. I also really like Chinatown because I could take Forbes almost everywhere. Now, I don't mean into sit-down restaurants, but you know, when I went into the little Juice Plus to pick up my juice and my salad for the day, nobody said, that's a dog. They knew he was a dog. And it was still okay. The only place where they said anything was the post office. And I figured, oh, well, it's the post office. Whether they're in Chinatown or whether they're somewhere else, it's going to be bureaucratic. But we did have so much fun, so much um, exciting food. And I guess what where I am with the food thing, Mary, who's the, the caller who couldn't stay with us, Most of the time, I try to eat really clean because when I do, I feel really pretty and I feel really happy with myself. But sometimes I just need something else. And when I feel the need for something else, like maybe that um, vegan vegetable scone at Peace Food Cafe I may have mentioned last week because I'm still thinking about how it hit the spot on that particular day. So just like people who eat in other ways, you do very well. And then sometimes if you just kind of have a hankering, you can do that too. It's easy not to get bored. Potato chips are vegan. That's right. (laughs) Occasional indulgence is good for everybody. So Kathy, what's your final thought in our last minute and a half here? 
There are the animals and there are the us. What do we do together? Well, I I didn't realize what Unity Radio was all about. And now that I do understand, um, I would invite people very simply to consider a world where all beings are considered equally, treated equally, where we all have a chance to rush toward joy and uh, experience a minimum of pain. They're, they're just the same as we are. I know this after working with them, and it's just a, a privilege and delight. And I support all of you out there trying to do your version of this same thing for our animal friends. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much. That's Kathy Stevens, casanctuary.org, Catskill Animal Sanctuary in Socrates, New York. Kristen Furstein, student. Yes. Yes. Tourist. Yes. Thank you so much oh. for helping out today. Everybody who listened, thank you so much for being with us. Come back next week. And in the meantime, God bless you and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Do you think you know all you want to know about the characters in the Bible? Do you know who could be called the king who loved too much? Or what it means to be a Jezebel? Or that the best love story in the Bible begins with the declared commitment of two women? The Bible's symbolic meaning can help you transform your life and discover the presence and power of God within you. Find out what these characters can teach you about your own life today by tuning into Biblical Power for Your Life. Each week, co-hosts Reverends Karen Tudor and E.J. Niles present a Bible character from a historical, cultural, psychological, and symbolic perspective. Your comments and questions are part of this lively discussion. Tune in every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, and power up your life only at Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. may happen around you, things may happen to you, but the only things that really count are the things that happen in you. This meditative moment from Reverend Eric Butterworth is brought to you by Unity. If I were brave, I'd walk the where fools and dreamers dare to and never lose faith. How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if we're all meant to do what we secretly dream? Balance, harmony, peace, 
These are the things that lead to a fuller, richer life experience. And striving to attain these things is a rewarding journey in and of itself. Let your journey begin at Awaken Whole Life Center, located on the Unity Village campus. Here, you'll discover unique approaches to nurture body, mind, and spirit. A holistic approach to your health and well-being. Visit us online at awakenwholelifecenter.com. That's awakenwholelifecenter.com. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.